Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by TBR, tailored book recommendations now available as a gift for Valentine's Day. Is your favorite Valentine a hard-to-shop-for book lover? Give the gift of TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. Choose from plans that allow your loved one to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email as a one-time gift or a year-long subscription, and sit back while our bibliologists do the rest. When your recipient redeems their gift, they'll complete a profile to tell TBR about their reading preferences and what they're looking for, and they can even connect their Goodreads account. Then we'll match them up with a bibliologist who will handpick recommendations just for them. Gifts start at just $16, so there's an option for every budget. Plus, you can schedule the gift to be delivered to your Valentine's inbox on Valentine's Day. No waiting or shipping delays. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so when you treat someone's shelf, you're supporting an indie too. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 95, and we are recording on Tuesday, February 9th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Nazra Javed, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Nazra. How are you? I am good. What about yourself, Katie? Oh, well, as I was mentioning earlier before we started recording, Chicago is... Just getting a ton of snow. Mother Nature just decided to save everything up until February. So we're just getting (laughs) lots of snow and cold weather and ice. And I have to dig my car out from like these 10 inch snowfalls that we're getting. And I am just reminded every year of how much I hate winter. And I don't know how winter is where you are. I know you're more on the much more on the West Coast, but I hope it is not as miserable as Chicagoland. <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely uh, not a ton of snow, but it's very variable. So like in the morning, we have three layers on. And by the time it's afternoon, uh, we're like just in a t-shirt and it's frustrating because we never know how to dress if we're like out for longer. <laughs> You have to bring, like, a whole wardrobe with you. Yeah, like, so our car, like, my car has, like, three jackets strewn in the back, a scarf, and then, like, a tank top. So (laughs) who knows what it's going to be. So, yeah, it's definitely not as cold as Chicago, but it it has its issues, I would say. (laughs) Yeah, and... I also mentioned before the, this week, my when I went into work at the library, I found out that the heating was broken and when we're in, you know, single digits before wind chill. And so I'm like, oh, this will be fun. Aww. And they're <laughs> supposed to fix the heater sometime this week. Hopefully that will happen. But who knows? So I'm going to have to start bringing like extra sweaters and cardigans and an extra pair of gloves to work because it's kind of a kind of a crapshoot as to what the temperature is going to be inside when we walk in. Is it going to be colder inside the building than it is outside? Who knows? Fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine diaping and like all the things when your fingers are like threatening to fall off. Yes. <laughs> and at the library, as part of COVID safety, if we're going to be handling books, we have to wear, we have not rubber gloves, but late, latex-free gloves. And I asked one of my coworkers who's wearing, I'm like, do those help keep your hands warm at all? And she's like, well, you know how when you normally wear them, they make your hands really warm and sweaty? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, now they're cold and sweaty. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like that's even worse. So apparently latex-free gloves do nothing to keep your hands warm while you type. It just makes them cold and sweaty and clammy. So, ugh. Well, lots of, like, warm vibes are way, and here's hoping the heating gets fixed. Oh, my gosh. I I appreciate that. It's like, (laughs) I'm glad February is the shortest month, but every year I'm like, why does it feel like the longest month? 
So <laughs> yeah, hopefully we can get Chicago out of the out of the single digit temperatures. I'll, I know you guys have have variable temperatures. I will. I'll try to. And I'm like, if you can send some of some of the higher temperatures our yes. way, I'll even take like 30s at this point. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, before we jump into stuff, you want to go ahead and give us our first sponsor? Yes. This podcast is sponsored in part by Flatiron Books, publisher of The Survivors by Jane Harper. Karen's life changed forever on the day a reckless mistake led to devastating consequences. The guilt that still haunts him resurfaces during a visit with his family to the small coastal community he once called home. Karen's parents are struggling in a town where fortunes are forged by the sea. Between them, all is his absent brother, Finn. When a body is discovered on the beach, long-held secrets threaten to emerge. A sunken wreck, a missing girl, and questions that have never washed away. One of the reviews for this title that I think encompasses what any Jane Harper work captures is from New York Times book review that says, Harper skillfully evokes the landscape as she weaves a complicated, elegant web full of long-buried secrets ready to come to light. And I think that's that perfectly captures, and I know I'm super excited about this title. Um, Jane Harper is also the international bestseller for titles such as The Dry, Force of Nature, and The Lost Man. And you can pick up The Survivors today wherever books are sold. Oh, I was so excited to see that that was one of our sponsors because yeah. I just started listening to The Lost Man on audio yesterday. Oh, it's so good. Oh my gosh, I read her first two books, and I love them. And I completely agree with the New York Times review about the the landscape and how that just like becomes its own character in her books. And oh, I just love her so much. Oh, okay. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Welcome to any new listeners that we have. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. We are delighted to have you back with us. So as we mentioned at the top of the show, we talk about mysteries and suspense and true crime and just anything that falls under that umbrella. So this is the part of the show where we like to put out a call to our listeners to let us know if there are any show topics or suggestions or whatever the case may be that you would like us to talk about on a future episode, because we always want to make sure that our episodes are interesting and about things that you guys want to hear about. So we always put out this call at the beginning of the episode, get those thinking caps on and start thinking about ideas. It can be anything from a news item that came out that you think would be interesting to hear a longer discussion about. It could be a subgenre of mysteries and suspense novels that you've never really explored before that you're interested to learn more about. Read-alikes for a favorite author. It could be something like, hey, I'm looking for more crime novels by Native American authors. Anything along those lines. We would love to hear your suggestions. We'll have our contact information at the end of the show, so you can make a note of that when that comes around. And even if you don't have a suggestion and just want to say hi, we love that as well. We love hearing from people. So with that, I guess... Nezra, I'll let you go ahead and jump into our news segment. Yeah, so the first piece of news we have, it's, um, I would like to feature a bit of drum roll here. <laughs> <laughs> so Sujata Masi, who is the author of the Parveen Mystery series, has a new book in the series com coming out called The Bombay Prince. And it is coming out this summer. So um, you still have a bit of time to uh, go back and catch up on those series as I am currently doing. If um, if you're not aware of the Parveen Mystery series. So they feature a female lawyer set in Bombay during the 1920s. And Parveen is a pioneer of her time because this is a time where women are not even allowed to practice employment, let alone practice law. So she she works alongside her father and actively practices law and all the solicitation that 
goes on in her area. So the first book, Widows of Malabar Hill, it is a book that I recently read, a uh, reread actually, in preparation for this, uh, the third book that's coming out in this series, so that I could have it fresh in my mind. And like we we were discussing as well, Katie, that her writing is so evocative of the place that it's set in. Um, and there's no detail is superfluous. And at the same time, no part of the plot is compromised for the sake of detail. So it's such a fantastic balance. And I am so, so excited for this one. And um, if you have, like I said, if you haven't caught up to the series yet, or if you, like me, have only read the first one and need to quickly hurry up and read the second one, then you, this is the time to do it. So this book comes out June 1st. So we still have a bit of time. Yes, I was so excited when I heard this and if you've listened to Red or Dead over the years, you know that the Perveen Mystery Series is one that we just absolutely love. So when I found out that the third book was coming out this year, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so amazing. Because usually we don't talk too much about new releases in like this segment of the show. We'll wait till they there's more information or when they actually come out and we'll talk about it. But I was just so excited. I'm like, can we talk about it now? I'm just so happy. And then along those same lines, in terms of new releases coming out that we just cannot keep quiet about, I learned on Twitter about a week ago that Angie Kim, who wrote Miracle Creek, which if you remember back in 2019 when it came out, Rincey and I could not stop raving about this book. Like, that was my favorite book of the year. Hands down, I recommended it to so many people. Well, she has a second book coming out. There's no release date that I know of yet. It was just published that she sold the book to a publisher. And the book is called Happiness Quotient, and it's the story of a biracial family's quest to solve the mystery of a father's sudden disappearance with the help of the only witness, who is his teenage nonverbal son. And if you remember, if you read Miracle Creek, this second book just seems like it's going to have so many of the same elements that, that made Miracle Creek so special. She handled a lot of really difficult, complicated topics with nuance, with sensitivity, and the way she used so many different characters to tell this very complicated multi-layered story. It's like every piece of the story fit together perfectly like a puzzle. And it was just so skillfully done. It was just like knocked me sideways with how with how well the book was written. So I am just over the moon excited to know that she's got a second book coming out. And when we have more information about that, or when I can get my hands on an advanced copy and read it and then come back to gush about it, uh, we will let you know. But yeah, we definitely wanted to throw that out there because yeah, Miracle Creek was just unbelievable. I don't know if you got a chance to read that one, Nazra, or not when it came out. So here's here's my confession. I have not yet read it. So uh, I've heard you talk about it on the show as well. And um, it's on the top. Like, I think it's the second book that's on my TBR pile on my nightstand. <laughs> but I just haven't gotten around to it just because I know it's going to be one of those books where you have to cancel all your plans, you know, arrange for your toddler to sleep for like 13, 14 hours. So uh, it's like, it's on standby. And I'm excited that she has another book coming out just because it gets me excited to delve into their older works to prep for a new release. So I think I'm going to be joining you in this discussion or gush session over Angie Kim very soon. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. And then, and I also, when I have hand sold this book to people at the library. I will say Miracle Creek does involve the story is centered around a child who dies. And for a lot of people, they're like, Oh, I can't do this too much. And I that's something I'm like, totally understand. So if that is a particular trigger for you, you know, don't feel bad if you have to give this book a pass. But if you think, or if the, if that's not a particular trigger, or you think like, Oh, you know, this sounds interesting. Oh, my gosh, pick it up. It's so <laughs> good. <sighs> okay. I will go on for hours about <laughs> Angie Kim if, if anyone lets me. So I'm going to cut myself off. And then the last 
piece of news information that we have is about the Netflix adaptation of Harlan Coben's novel, Stay Close, which normally... You know, we might mention it and, you know, kind of just be its own passing thing. You know, Harlan Cobins, he's a huge best-selling author. But what made me super excited for this is that they did a casting annou- or casting update, and they are going to have Eddie Izzard as one of the actors in Stay Close. And I just love Eddie Izzard so much. I was watching her stand-up when I was in college. I have seen her as an actor in Hannibal, the TV show. She was in Across the Universe and just all these other things. And she's just such a funny, interesting person. And I and so as soon as I saw her name with Stay Close, I went, oh my gosh, so excited. This this show is now on my radar. So if you are also an Eddie Izzard fan, get excited. I don't think we have a release date yet for Stay Close. It is going to be on Netflix. That's about all we know. So once we have more information on that, we'll let you know. But yeah, I saw Eddie Izzard's name and just oh, got super excited. Okay, and that ends the Katie Gush Fest <laughs> for the new. This is probably my most, like, every item on this news list. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited. It's, it's a good note to start February with, you know, so many good things to look forward to. There you go. I like that. <laughs> awesome. So for this episode, Katie and I decided to highlight some reads in honor of Black History Month, and the genre that we picked in particular was the true crime or the true crime memoir genre. Uh, We wanted to use this episode to not only celebrate Black authors, but also uh, bring to light their voices and their experiences. And uh, so Katie and I have lined up some excellent uh, titles for you, which, which will hopefully help you understand just the history and how their experiences have shaped their identity and how much work still needs to be done in terms of questioning the institutions and every all the status quo that's around you. And I know when we were finalizing the titles, Katie came across the fact that a lot of true crime or the true crime memoir genre is largely dominated by white people. Katie, do you want to speak more to that? Yeah, so... To take a step back, let's see, what, there was an article that came out, it was last summer, called The Enduring Pernicious Whiteness of True Crime. Um, it was from The Appeal. And it talked about how white voices and white victims really dominate the true crime genre. It's 100% true. I mean, I, I love true crime. I have been just totally soaking up all of these true crime documentaries that are happening I, you know, it's just an area that has a lot of fascination for me. But if you look at the authors, the crimes that are covered, the police officers who are involved, it is so heavily focused on white people. In a more specific sense, when I was looking for books to talk about for this episode, for example, I really wanted to talk about a true crime book that was that talked about a crime that took place in during the civil rights era in America. So like the 1940s, 1950s through about the 1960s, uh, mid 60s, late 60s. And there's no shortage of books about crimes that take place during that time period. But every book I found was written by a white man. Every time it was it was it was ridiculous, actually. And ultimately, the book I chose because it was getting close. I'm like, look, I have to pick a book or I'm not going to be able to have anything finished for this episode. So the book I ended up picking is written by a white man. But I was just going through title after title after title going, oh, this sounds promising. Oh, white man, white man, white man. And for and it really when you start noticing these patterns, like you stop and think about these in the publishing industry, like, who are we like, whose stories are we telling? Or whose stories are being told? And who is telling them? Who like, who is the publishing industry putting their weight behind when it comes to telling these stories? And it's really centered around white men in journalism, telling the stories of these black people who were victims of 
racial violence or whatever the case may be. Now, that's not to say that these individual books aren't necessarily well-written. The one I read was extremely well-written. But the when you look at the larger pattern, it just, it really, it makes you stop and think like, you know, why don't we have more books written by Black authors that are telling these stories? So that was that I think really hammered home like okay this is I think we definitely picked picked a good topic to talk about for Black History Month. But with that Nezra, why don't you go ahead and uh jump in with uh the first book that you picked? So uh I completely agree with everything you've said Katie and I also think that uh true crime is a great genre to sort of highlight the this disparity in experiences. Um, because true cr- crime, in my opinion, is also able to capture and contextualize any um, event more completely. So, like, you get legal aspect, you get the personal aspect. So, yeah, like you said, I think uh, I'm very excited that we're sort of getting the opportunity to put forward these titles. And I hope that our listeners will be encouraged to pick up these titles as well. And with that, my first title is... A Knock at Midnight by Brittany K. Barnett. So uh, this is a true crime memoir in the sense that it tells the story of Brittany who was in law school and how she switched her specialty in law from finance to corporate law and then eventually changed it to criminal law in order to pursue her ambitions of seeking social justice for the black people that she was seeing incarcerated unfairly. So just a bit of more background about her story is Brittany comes across the story of Sharonda Jones, who uh, was a woman who was serving a life sentence for conspiracy to distribute drugs. So she was, uh, there were no drugs in her system at the time that she was caught, but it was uh, just a conspiracy that was, that, that was more of hearsay than, proven uh, proven distribution method. And um, what first caught her attention was Sharonda's shirt had the same number that Britney's mother herself had when she was incarcerated for, ha- for her having drugs on her. So she, from here, Barnett sort of traces back to her childhood. She talks about how this her struggles with how her mother became an addict and how she had to find her way through life because her mother was incarcerated and then she brings it back to Sharonda's story which was a similar fate where Sharonda is incarcerated for life and her eight-year-old daughter is left um, parentless. So it brings a lot of things into perspective about how how the the system in general needs to change where addiction is not seen so much as a crime but as a as a actual medical problem that needs to be dealt with or that needs that addicts need help with in order to reform and how the current system of putting them in prison for a lifetime is not doing anyone any good and actually causing more harm especially to the family members or to the just the children who are left behind so it was it was heartfelt it was raw and just as a just as a mother of a two-year-old just i I just had tears at points because I was just imagining what the child had to go through, what the mother had to go through. And it was it was an amazing, like, honest look into all of it, into the current system of incarceration and how sentences are handed out on and what principle they're handed out on. So I definitely encourage everyone to pick this book up. It's called Knock at Midnight by Brittany K. Barnett. All right. And then before I jump into my first pick, um, I want to come in with our second sponsor, which is Blink of an Eye by Iris Johansson and Roy Johansson, which is the gripping new novel featuring investigator Kendra Michaels, whose observational skills are worthy of a modern day Sherlock Holmes. So the story starts off with Delilah Winter, who is one of the hottest pop stars on the planet. So how was she kidnapped right in the middle of a show at the Hollywood Bowl? If anyone can figure it out, it is Dr. Kendra Michaels. She was blind for the first 20 years of her life until a revolutionary surgical procedure allowed her to regain her sight. Kendra uses her powers of observation to detect what other investigators don't. So she is the one that they turn to. Can she rescue the young singer before time runs out? 
So Iris Johansson is just one of the biggest names in mystery and suspense fiction. Her son Roy um, has teamed up with her for the latest Kendra Michaels book. I believe it is the eighth in the series. So if you are an Iris Johansson fan and you want to make sure that you're keeping up with the series, make sure to pick up Blink of an Eye. And we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so like I said before, I really wanted to make sure that one of my books was focused on like a crime that took place during the civil rights era because there was just so much conflict and so much happening. I mean, it's a very tumultuous time and there are a lot of stories that need to be told. So like I said, and also like I said before, the book I ended up picking up was written by a white author. I picked up Beneath a Ruthless Sun, A True Story of Violence, Race, and Justice by Gilbert King. And if that name sounds familiar, Gilbert King wrote the extremely well-received, award-winning book, Devil in the Grove. That book also chronicled a, a crime that took place during the civil rights era, and that took place in Florida, and that, I mean, it was just a huge book when it came out. Beneath a Ruthless Sun is actually kind of a continuation of that same story. It's not the same crime. It's a different crime, but it takes place in the same area of Florida and features the same racist sheriff who was involved with the crimes from Devil in the Grove. So, which I, I have not read Devil in the Grove. I'm familiar with it, and I know that I'm vaguely aware of like the major points of the story, but I did not realize that the same sheriff whose name is Willis McCall he shows up in both in both of those books so now i i need to i'm like oh my gosh i need to read devil in the grove like right now so beneath a ruthless sun this was a very there was a lot happening in this book this was a very complicated type of book i will also say at the outset that there's a trigger warning for rape that is the central crime that is at the heart of this story. It The book does not go into really specific details, more of just like, okay, this happened, and then it talks about it in kind of a disconnected way, but just to give everyone a heads up about that. So, and the other thing too is that Beneath a Ruthless Sun, the, so the, the main part of the story is that in the late 50s, the wife of a very prominent white man in this tiny Florida town, she calls the police and says that she was raped in her home while her husband was away, and she claims that a black man did it. And the sheriff, who uh, Sheriff McCall, who is like, you could not write this character in a book because you'd you'd be like this this guy's racism is just too over the top to be believed but this guy is a real person and i will not go into specific details just because we'd be here we'd be here all night and we don't need to rehash the specifics but this person is one of like the most vile openly racist people i have ever read about i mean it's it is stomach turning so he's in charge and so he starts rounding up basically every young black man within a certain age range that he can find and just starts hauling him off to jail. And then all of a sudden, he lets them all go and turns his attentions on Jesse Daniels, who is a 19-year-old boy with mental difficulties, learning difficulties, and he turns his sights on him and says, he did it. There is no evidence whatsoever he that this boy committed that crime but he is packed up and shipped off to the Florida State Hospital for the insane and locked away without trial and so the story comes at from a bunch of different directions but the the main story is about trying to get him out of the hospital where he doesn't belong he's he's put in with with people that have been labeled as criminally insane, and it's just a huge miscarriage of justice. And he is white, so the, so the main part of the story does not, is not focused on the improper incarceration of a black man, although there are other instances where that does come into play. So this, it's, when I, I got about halfway through and I was realizing like, okay, this is a more complicated book and it's about more than just talking about black justice or lack of justice for black people in the legal system at that time. 
But one of the things that I really took away from this book when they're talking about the sheriff and when they're talking about the attitudes of the members of the KKK who who lived and worked in that area, how similar the rhetoric is to what we've been hearing on the news for the last five, ten years, even just in the last few weeks. Like, it's really, it's, it, it's really frightening. And it's something that I always knew, like, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same and how, you know, in many ways, not much has changed in some of these aspects. But to read about it, like the sheriff, he was talking about the people who were standing, who were protesting against his treatment of black people or or his treatment of Jesse Daniels. He was going on about how it was this leftist propaganda and they were trying to shove their opinions down everyone's throats. And it honestly just felt like I was reading a transcript from some forum online from some nasty subreddit or something. And it just, like, for me, it it highlighted just how tumultuous the last several years in this country have been. And just how, you know, how much stuff has been happening. And I mean, it's kind of like we've been we've been living through a second civil rights era. I mean, I don't have the necessary context to really talk about that in a super meaningful way. But that was one of the things that I just I really took away from this book. And it was it was just it was heartbreaking. It was infuriating. It was, you know, it was hard to read. But at the same time, it also made me I'm like, I am so woefully, like, uneducated about so much of this stuff. I'm like, I've got to start reading more books about this stuff. And so it was It was a very, it was a fast read. I, I got through it in most of the weekend. I had it on my, on my, I read it as an ebook on my iPhone with, like, really big font because my eyes have been tired and I need to get go to the eye doctor and see about getting actual glasses. But so I was just sitting there with my large print ebook just, like, flipping through the pages. And it, it was a really, it was, it was a really good book. And, you know, it only tells part of the story. It, like I said, the main topic doesn't focus ex- exclusively on racial justice, but it was it was a really worthwhile book to read. So again, that is Beneath a Ruthless Sun, A True Story of Violence, Race, and Justice, and that's by Gilbert King. All right. My second pick is Leaving Atlanta by Diary Jones, and this book is not a true crime memoir, but it is actually a fictionalized account of the Atlanta murders that took place in uh, the 1970s. And the reason I picked this is just because I want... Let me back up a bit. So I, I don't, I'm not sure if you've read The Five, but how, just how the author sort of takes the focus away from jack the ripper for a minute and puts it on the victims and actually narrates their stories was mind-blowing to me in the sense that yeah like that so so many of the times when we are reading about a crime or uh when we're reading such narratives we forget that or um, that sort of is always on the back side of our mind that there were actual victims to the crime that we are watching so that, that's one of the reasons why i picked this is because jones is like humanizes or she brings to light the struggles that the people were having alongside with this huge crime or this huge threat that was looming over their heads and they had to deal with everything else that was going on in their lives and this story is told through the eyes of three children it's it's a coming of age story and it and it the backdrop like i said is the atlanta child murders that happened and the children are trying to just figure out their identity figure out their place in school and just they have their everyday concerns but at the same time they're like their parents are afraid to send them out because they don't know who will be next and it was heartbreaking because you don't want to have kids think about these things it just breaks your heart when 11 year olds or 12 year olds are thinking about well we we don't know if we are gonna go out and if we're ever gonna come back and jones sort of puts it into a lot of context that how this threat was looming in their society and how there was a lack of support for their society in general for the black people like they're 
they didn't have any sense of assurance or sense of security that uh, this would be taken care of for them or that their safety would be ensured. So, uh, and Jones is so, it's so good at her, like her nuanced storytelling is, she does a fantastic job at just like breaking your heart and like giving you so much perspective all at once. I remember even um, an American marriage like all i i am certain that jo- like all of her novels can be seen as like social justice narratives as well just because she she focuses on the daily life of black people and how they get impacted by just unfair like laws and systems that don't really keep them in mind so th- this was this was heartbreaking um and at the same time it's also very like re- like it puts things into perspective just how uh like a loop the, the kind of burden that often uh, black people have to walk around with when they feel like their institutions can't protect them and seeing that from the perspective of like three children was harrowing so it was it was fantastic it was heartbreaking and it was also very honest and very educational so it was it the book is leaving atlanta by tayari jones Yeah, I was so glad that when you said that you were going to read that, because I haven't read it yet, but that was something that I actually learned about the Atlanta child murders from watching the second season of Mindhunter on Netflix. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I had never heard about this. And then I had learned that Tyree Jones had written this fictionalized account, but I never got around to reading it. So I'm really, I'm really glad that you want that you talked about it for this episode. And I'm, I'm boosting that high up on my TBR. So my second pick was I did not, um, I was not able to pick up a copy of this book in time to read it for the podcast, but it is one that I fully intend to read. It's called The Black and the Blue, A Cop Reveals the Crimes and Racism in America's Law Enforcement and the Search for Change by Matthew Horace. And this book was published in, Goodreads tells me it was published in 2018. And as the title indicates, the the author of the book, he is a veteran police officer. He worked as a police officer for 28 years, and he is also a CNN law enforcement analyst. And he talks about his experiences working as a black cop and the racism that he has experienced him towards himself, towards black suspects, and just the kind of toxicity that surrounds so much of American policing. Because if you're going to talk about racial justice, you have to talk about the police officers, the police departments, and just what kind of culture and what kind of, and the the crimes against Black people that that are perpetuated by law enforcement. And so he has a very unique perspective, like I said, as a black man. He, you know, he talks about how seven years into the job, he found himself on the ground with a gun pointed at his head by a fellow white officer. And that was when he really started taking a closer look at what was happening in or what was happening in all of these police departments. And so this is his own experiences, it's research, it's interviews with police and government officials. And so he talks about a lot of these highly publicized police shootings that we've heard about, you know, just year after year after year in Baltimore, Ferguson, Chicago, you know, all of these places. And he analyzes, you know, what happens, how, you know, what's happening how are these exposing our racial biases? What, you know, what is going on and how do we change it? And so the reviews from people who have read it said it's an incredibly thoughtful, thought-provoking, heart-wrenching book to read, but a very necessary book to read if we really want to start understanding what's happening in these interactions between citizens and law enforcement. Um, especially when it's interactions with black citizens and law enforcement. So again, the book is called The Black and the Blue, A Cop Reveals the Crimes and Racism in America's Law Enforcement and the Search for Change, and that is by Matthew Horace. All right, so if, I mean, Lord knows, we have only scratched the surface of 
books that talk about these types of crimes or racial justice, social justice in the context of true crime. If you have any suggestions for us, especially if they are written by Black authors, please let us know. Because like I said, my, my initial search for a book to read was extremely frustrating and aggravating. And so if you have any suggestions, we would love to hear them. And yeah, and as always, a reminder that Black History Month is not just for February. Black history is happening year round. So while we talk about this in February, we should be reading these books year round because we we need to do a better job of reading about these things and educating ourselves. Agreed. All right. And then with that, um, we're going to jump real quick into our new releases, which we also uh, we uh, picked a couple of books written recently by Black authors so to keep with the theme. So, Nezra, why don't you go ahead and pick a book and kick us off? Yeah, so uh, I'm super excited about this one. It's Blood Grove by Walter Mosley. And this is the 15th book in the Easy, the Detective Easy Rollins series. And this came out on February 2nd by Mulholland Books. So it's already out if, um, like me, you're also a big fan of Mosley and are just waiting to catch up. Uh, Walter Mosley, for me, I, I've read the first two books in this series and they are just, they're, they're unlike any detective series I've read just because of the perspective, the voice that they bring, and also mostly his writing. It's it's such a fantastic balance of like wit, the gritty, and like an ode to the noir genre. It ticks all of my boxes. So just a little bit about what the book is. Um, the year is 1969 and flames can be seen on the horizon, protests waft like smoke through the thick air, and Easy Rawlings, the black private detective whose small agency finally has its own office, gets a visit from a white, white uh, Vietnam veteran. The young man comes to Easy with a story that makes little sense. Um, he and his lover, a beautiful young woman, were attacked in a grove at the city's outskirts. Uh, he may have killed a man and the woman and his dog are now missing. Inclined to turn down what sounds like nothing but trouble, Easy takes the case when he realizes how damaged the young wet is from his war experiences and his desire to just help him out and just help him work through this overtakes his initial hesitation. So I am super excited to eventually catch up to the series. I bet uh, if you are already done with the 14th book and are ready for the 15th. It's Blood Grove uh, and it's out for, uh, on February 2nd. So it's already ready for you to buy. All right. And then my pick is The Kindest Lie by Nancy Johnson. Now, this book is not specifically a mystery. It has elements of a mystery in there, but I it seems like it falls much more on the literary end of the spectrum. But it touches on a lot of the themes that we've talked about in this episode, so we wanted to talk about it. So this book is described as for if you're a fan of Jacqueline Woodson or Tayari Jones, who we have already mentioned. The book takes place in 2008, and in Chicago, Ruth Tuttle is an Ivy League-educated Black engineer. She has a good marriage. Her husband wants to start a family, but she is uncertain. She has never gotten over the baby that she gave birth to and abandoned when she was a teenager, and she had promised her family she'd never look back, but she knows that to move forward, she has to make peace with the past. Ruth returns home to her Indiana hometown, her factory town, it's plagued by unemployment, racism, despair. The Her family's happy to see her, but they remind her of the painful sacrifices that they had to make to give Ruth a shot at a better future. And so Ruth begins digging into the past. And as she uncovers burning secrets that her family desperately wants to hide, she unexpectedly befriends a young white boy named Midnight who is also adrift looking for connection. And when a traumatic incident strains the town's already searing racial tensions, Ruth and Midnight find themselves on a collision course that could upend both of their lives. So this book looks at the divide between black and white communities. It looks at the financial crisis that was happening in 2008. It looks at disparities in law enforcement and racial justice and all of this just got so much going on. Like I said, this book is definitely not a is would not be considered a straight mystery like we usually talk about, but the themes that it that it touches on are just so similar to what we were talking about for this episode. So again, that is the kindest lie by Nancy Johnson. 
And then real quickly, I wanted to make two honorary mentions. These are not written by Black authors, but I did mention them in my most anticipated releases uh, selections a few episodes ago. So Children of Chicago by Cynthia Palayo comes out today on February 9th. And The Good Girls in Ordinary Killing by Sonia Falero is also out today on February 9th. And because I forgot to mention it, the Kindest Lie by Nancy Johnson came out last week on February 2nd. So if so, all of these books that we have just mentioned, you can go pick them up today. How about that? <laughs> awesome. So uh, now we're just going to talk a bit about what have we, what are we currently reading and what we have recently finished. So I'm going to kick it off to you, Katie, and then away we shall go. <laughs> all right. Well, I... Like, you know, reading's been slow going, so I haven't finished anything other than uh, Beneath the Ruthless Sun. Um, but like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I did start the uh, listening to The Lost Man by Jane Harper on audio, and I'm not super far into it. Um, the story, the the crux of the story is that you have these brothers who work these enormous plots of land in Australia, where, I mean, they're just like thousands of square miles. And they have, they, you know, they have huge herds of cattle, and that's their life. They live out in this no man's land. And at the beginning of the book, you have two brothers. They uh, they meet up at the edge of one of their properties because there is a body that has been discovered. It is the body of their other brother, and he has died out in the middle of the desert. No one knows why. It appears there's no evidence immediately that there's foul play, but it's definitely a suspicious-looking death. And there's there's no one out here. Like, there's everyone else who has their own plots of land are like hours away. So the question is, what happened? And it looks like it's definitely something happening in the family. So it's the audiobook I love already because the narrator has has an Australian accent. And for some reason, I guess I have never listened to an audiobook where the narrator has an Australian accent, <laughs> or at least if I have, I'm forgetting about it because it took me a second. I'm like, oh, right, it's not British. It's not Irish. <laughs> like, it's, this is an Australian accent, but I love it. And the setting is such, like we mentioned before, it is such a huge part in her books. And the life that she describes of these characters, they are, you know, they they work these these enormous plots of land. They're they don't live close to anyone. They are just in the middle of nowhere. Survival is like baked into their existence. Like they know like when they go out and they have to fit, they have to check the fence line or something, they, their car is fully stocked with like survival gear and water and, or, you know, a radio. Like they know how to survive in the desert if their car breaks down. And it's just such a, such an unbelievably different lifestyle that she's describing that it's just so fascinating like we've barely even gotten to the mystery by but i'm like i don't even care i am just so interested in reading learning more about about this lifestyle and i've heard everyone who has read the lost man just says it's fantastic and i love jane harper so i'm super excited to keep listening to this one and again that is the lost man yeah, Jane Harper's, I will say this, all of her audiobook narrators, I think, do a fantastic job at communicating what Jane Harper is trying to, uh, like, like tell the reader, just, like, in terms of the landscape and the characters. And um, The Lost Man is a title I remember. I feel I felt thirsty a lot when I was reading this, <laughs> when I was, like, listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> I was driving in the car and I'm like, oh, I want a water bottle. <laughs> I'm so thirsty. Yeah, and I think it has such fantastic crossover appeal for people who like Westerns or like people who yes. enjoy Murder on the Red River and uh, just enjoy like those, like where landscape is featured as well. So, I, I mean, yeah, like Jane Harper's, we've said this a multiple yeah, times. Yeah, Jane Jen, Harper's amazing. Jane All Jen the Harper. Muppet arms. <laughs> uh, all right, so on my end, um, I have been on like, I've always been on an audiobook kick. That's how I get through most of my stories. But like last like last episode I mentioned, I was reading Fortune Favors the Dead by Stephen Spotswood. And I finished it and I 100% recommend it to anyone who is just looking for a good old, like, you know, an old-fashioned mystery detective duo 
solving solving a very like solving a crime but never like the state the stakes are never like escalating to an uh, to an extent where you feel like okay i need a break from the plot and they're like they're ghosts their secrets their mediums who are communicating across the like barriers and um it's fantastic and the audiobook is narrated by kirsten potter and she's fant- she does like a fantastic job so uh i definitely recommend that like i 100 would tell anyone who's who has it on their tbr to read that one and then i also finished a reread of uh widows of malabar hill as i mentioned earlier in turn, so I can finish the second book, this uh, Satapura Moonstone, I believe. And mm-hmm. um, if, so the first book in The Widows of Malabar Hill, it takes place, as I've already mentioned, it features Praveen Mystery, who is a pioneer who is practicing law in a time when it's unheard of. And in this particular story, uh, she is handling the will of Mr. Omar Farid, who is a wealthy Muslim mill owner and who has left three widows behind. And as Praveen goes through the papers, she notices something strange that all the three widows have signed off their inheritance to a charity, which uh, strikes her as as odd in particular because uh, these uh, widows observe parda, which is their practice of seclusion where they don't go out in the world or and no one from the outside world interacts much with them, in particular the of the male gender so she is a little she has these doubts as to why they would hand off what will sustain them to off to a charity and so she gets uh she does a little bit more digging and through that we get to know a bit about her past about where she comes from how she got to where she is today and then just like intrigue ensues and it's it's it was it was such a delight to reread this again and uh, Sujata she does an excellent job at put shedding light on the Parsi culture in old like in India and uh, in just the subcontinent in the 1920s. And yeah, it was a fantastic one. So that's The Widows of Malabar Hill uh, by Parveen Mystery. And as for what I'm reading... By Sujata Masi. Sujata Masi, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and for, as for what I'm reading currently, I just started A Lady's Guide to Mischief and Mayhem just because Valentine's Day is like creeping up and I'm just in the mood for like some romance with mixed with my mystery. And it's about, it's set in the Victorian times about this, uh, about Lady Catherine, who is a news journalist. And she is on the hunt for the serial killer who is killing, uh, who is killing his victims based on the Ten Commandments. So I'm like super, in- and then there's a bit of a romance aspect as the detective from Scotland Yard comes and interferes with Lady Catherine or the other way around. And uh, it, it just sounds like a good time and I am ready for it. You are ready for a good time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. For more recommendations or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. Thank you to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Zink, for always making us sound terrific. For show notes, head over to bookride.com slash listen. If you enjoyed this podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that others can discover us. If you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can find us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find us on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Javed Nasra. That's J-A-V-E-D-N-U-S-R-A-H. And you can find me on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. All right. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye.